This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Brew. Hey, this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, back from sulking after the Colts game, Matt Necrone. What's up, Matt? Just living proof that I'm not always with you, but here I am. All right. And also, soon-to-be jailbird, Glenn Lotzenheiser. I don't know what you're talking about. You're I did not do it, and you need to be put away. <laughs> Just because the knife was in my hand damn. does not mean I stabbed the man. All right, we're going to jump um, right into the show here, right into the mailbag. We had a lot of really good questions this week, so thanks, everybody, that sent one in. First one from Ian Talley. He asks, with Parrish Cox now released, what message do you think the front office was trying to convey? Play better or get cut. Uh, it's pretty plain and simple. If you don't perform, you know, you're not going to stick around. Cox probably wasn't my first choice to be cut. I think Blake would probably fit that role. Um, but Parrish Cox has been awful the last few weeks. Uh, there's really no other way to say it. It had to be done. I don't know anybody that's really upset about it. I think that it should send a message to the other guys. I know Mr. Relevant. Kalen Reed is being brought up. I'm not sure that he's going to be a difference maker on this team, but we've been saying it for a while now. Put the rookies in. They can't do any worse. I think, honestly, Bryce McCain has actually stepped up uh, quite a bit lately. I'm not saying that I'm satisfied with having him in there and, and leaving him in there, but hopefully he takes over that that second spot as opposed to Blake because <laughs> Blake's going to be the next guy out. I think LaShawn Sims really didn't play any better than the other guys. And, you know, I know he's got a lot of room to grow. But, I mean, we we have serious, serious issues in the secondary. I think you guys both nailed it, you know. You perform or you get out. And I think that's the the kind of environment that they're trying to instill here in uh, in Nashville. And and I kind of agree with what you said, Matt. It's not the... He's definitely not the worst corner on the team. Uh, that's obvious by the way we played this week, I think. But you're taking a guy that should be playing at a higher level uh, than he is and you know, cutting him, showing everybody that underneath him that still has a lot of time to mature, has you know, higher potential that, that you know, they really need to work hard to get there. You know, showing a lot of these younger guys that it's not going to come easy playing for this team. So I like the message. Also, man, to your point, he's he's probably not the worst corner on the team, but for where we had him playing as a starter, he was the most exposed probably in the league. So, I mean, yeah, we probably have worse guys out on our team right now, but next man up's probably going to have you know the same issues he did. I, I really think Blake should have went first, but as far as next man up, good luck to us, I guess. That's, that's really all we can say. Uh, yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, it's I agree that uh, you know Blake should be the one that 
that is gone if if anybody but we'll you know we'll talk more on that later moving on to the next one another parish cox question of course the big news story this week is him getting released so josh ebel asks now that cox has been released who should we start at that cornerback two position i think it's going to have to be mccain like matt said you know um who else would you put out there? We, none of us want Blake out on the field. Uh, and I agree with you guys. You know, Blake is my first guy cut, but that's a lot less of a message than cutting Cox. You know, so, yeah, it's going to be McCain. Uh, they'll rotate the other guys in and out like we saw. It's going to get worse before it gets better, guys. We're going to be playing some rookies. They're going to make some mistakes. Other teams' quarterbacks' eyes are going to be lighting up because after McCourty, everybody is fair game and – it, it, it should be pretty wild for the rest of the season, but it makes next year better. So just endure the pain and don't scream from Larky's job every time someone catches the ball. I believe it's already been said, but, you know, honestly, I don't, I'm not sure if the best thing to do is promote one of the younger guys we have or if it's better to bring one of the veteran bums off the street. I'm not really sure which is the lesser of two evils in this situation. Yeah, for me in this one um... – I think it has to be McCain. You know, I, I saw, I liked Sims honestly going in. I've, I've talked about it on the show that I, I like the way he plays. You know, seeing his tape in college, uh, I like his style. But you saw him, you know, get his first game with really significant time this week, and the guy just can't get his head around to save his life. You know, he doesn't even try. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sure that he knows how to move his head. Like his neck might just be fixed to his shoulders in one direction because, I mean, he, he didn't look back for anything. He played just downright terrible in this game. Blake, obviously terrible, but I mean, that's what you expect from from Blake. And then, um, obviously, Parrish Cox no longer with the team. He was garbage. So, McCain actually in this game kind of impressed me. There was a play in which they fired it quick towards the end zone, uh, but the play was blown dead. Um I forget what the call was. I believe it was, uh, you know, a false start, something like that. They blew the the play dead, and uh, the ball was launched in the air, and McCain had the guy right in his hip pocket. Uh, There's another play where McCain broke up a pass uh, in this game, and he actually, to me, even including McCourty, McCain looked like the best cornerback that we had out there in this game. Uh, Obviously, McCourty, the most talented on our roster, but McCain came to play in this one, um, and he was the only corner that I think did so because – before McCourty went out with the injury, he was not looking good. You know, uh, I heard Blaine Bishop talking today about when you see the corners, that they're playing the man instead of playing the ball, it's because they're already beat. Um, they already know that if they turn their head around, the ball's going right past them. They have no chance to make a play on it, so you got to make a play on the man. I think that's what we're seeing with most of the guys on this team is that they're already beat. They're just using all their athleticism to stay in the play and at least be nearby. You know, for Sims, it was certainly that and deer in the headlights. Uh, just his first big game. I think he'll play better in two weeks. Uh, he's still going to be part of the rotation, though. He's he's not going to be ready this year. But I do like Sims. Uh, he Of the guys that we've got, he's the guy with the most potential based on his aggressiveness. Got to agree with you, man. It, it's great timing as far as when our bye week came last possible bye week that anyone can have. I believe it's us in Cleveland this week. We need this week off for one McCordy's injury. He said he'll be fine, but you know, that extra week is definitely something that's going to help us. And it also helps us with game planning for uh, Denver. I mean, 
I don't know if you guys saw last night. I watched the game because those are our next two opponents, and uh, I can tell you right now, Emmanuel Sanders is going to light us up. <laughs> and I don't think anybody on our roster can cover Demarius Thomas. So uh, hopefully, we can just game plan moving forward with some of the younger guys and just hope for the best because we have some. We've already said it. We have serious issues up there. Yeah, that's what I was telling people to tune into that game because you were going to see what we're about to face, so people can kind of set their expectations to a more realistic level. Of uh, you just saw what our Defense did against a four-string quarterback, a bunch of second-string wide receivers, and a beat-up offensive line. You're about to see what two high-level wide receivers can do with an okay quarterback. You know, it, it's it's going to be ugly, just like Matt said. I have to absolutely agree with you two here. It, it's not going to be pretty. You know, we we can't cover anybody, and it's and, and as much as I'm on board with um, the cutting of Cox. Right now, I kind of wish we would have waited to do this at the end of the season because we are right now in a playoff hunt. You know, I'm glad to see him go, but it's also, I mean, is there any really anybody on this team that's playing better? I mean, although I do think McCain played better in this game, you know, season long, it has to be Cox that's played better. Am I confident that McCain's going to play well for the second half of the season? I mean, we're very much now half game back in the division very much in this playoff hunt. I thought that this was kind of a, a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, hopefully it works out for us, though. But now let's talk about moving forward. Tyler Musson asks us, you put yourself in John Robinson's shoes. What do you do or discuss with Mike Malarkey on how to fix this uh, secondary? He refers to it as the breaking secondary. <laughs> I don't know that that's a conversation that those two really have. Um, It's definitely, I mean, it'll come up, obviously, as far as what do we need to do moving forward. Is there something you need me to make a roster change or something like that? But we're we're in it already. (laughs) There's not that many games left. It's too late to make any real changes uh, unless someone's going to just release. I mean, for future stuff, draft some good players. I mean, that's that's what Robinson's (laughs) going to do. Uh, that's exactly what Robinson's going to do is he's going to go out there and get you some good quality players in the draft. That is some great general managing. I know, you know, the, the uh, Monday morning quarterback came out in me, but what else do you want me to say? He, he's going to draft some better players. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, that, oh, go ahead, man. I was going to say, honestly, yeah, draft good players or, or sign some in free agency. Um, moving forward though, I think the best move, and I know, I've I've already seen a few people bring it up. Moving McCordy to safety may be our best bet. I know he's getting long in the tooth, and um, his brother made the switch years ago and definitely benefited from it. So I don't, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him back there. I'm I love the idea of moving. I was talking about this with the guys on the on the um, Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page today. I love the idea of McCordy moving to safety when we have the corners that will allow that. You know, moving him right now would be a fucking disaster. I mean, it would be every game would look like the second half of that Bears game because we just don't have the corners to be able to do that. I do not want Sims starting, you know, after that performance that he put up. And I do have faith for him in the future. You know, he's only going to get better. He's a young kid in his first game. But, you know, he's obviously not ready right now to be to be playing. I want to see a, a lot of McCain and a lot of McCourty now that uh, Parrish Cox is gone. Uh, because those two seem like by far the most competent corners right now on this team. One thing I think you could do is uh, move looking forward for our cornerbacks 
is um, looking to free agency as well. And I know that the draft obviously is the way you build uh, a good team. That's how you win Super Bowls is in the draft. Uh, but I mean, we're gonna have to draft guys, um, drafted start really young guys in order for you know this to work. And and I know that's worked out. You know, Jalen Ramsey uh, has turned out to be uh, you know a hell of a, a football player down there in Jacksonville, even though the rest of their team blows right now. Um, but I, I'm not opposed to bringing in a, a cheaper guy to come in and, uh, set, you know, a veteran guy that has, like, some kind of a presence. I was looking today at the free agents that are coming up this year. Guys like Captain Munnerlyn, uh, Stephon Gilmore out of Buffalo, Morris Claiborne from Dallas, DJ Hayden from Oakland. These aren't guys that are fantastic by any means. Terrence Newman uh, from Minnesota. But they're all in that $3 million range or lower so you can get them for pretty cheap, and it's a guy that will provide you, you know, one two years just to get these young guys that you're going to bring in, um, you know, let them build their experience and then let them take over. And it's it'll be a just to ease the transition is as what I see here. If we do make a move, I don't want to go get a big name. I want to get a guy that's cheap just to ease the transition into the you know the guys that we're obviously going to draft to fill these slots. Yeah. I think Newman's old as dirt. I don't think he comes back next year in the league. Um, I wouldn't mind Gilmore. I think Gilmore's probably the best one out of that whole class you just named. But I will say, honestly, that moving forward, that's definitely an option for us. Uh, I, I know Captain Marlin and Gilmore are both SC guys that I've seen pretty much their whole college career and, and most of their pro careers as well. Gilmore's definitely the standout out of anybody. But how would you guys feel? And I don't know, this, this may be twerking a little bit too much but putting Bayard uh as as a nickel corner or leaving the safeties as as Johnson at safety and and Cersei out there but putting Bayard in one of those spots I don't think you can go forward with Johnson uh he looked really bad in this game I I I think Bayard's got to stay back there and be the other safety we've got a thing is we got a bunch of guys who are zone corners and we're keep asking them to play man I don't know that Bard would be any better playing man. Uh, it's just it, it's really frustrating when you look at this roster and we can't do what the defense is being called to do. So I, I don't think that moving Bard to nickel is going to help us out enough. Uh, I think we need him back there as a safety. And you know, McCordy going to safety, we've we've talked about that on the show several times about wanting them to do that with him eventually. Even if we draft rookies, like Ryan said, unless those two rookies come out there and just play great, which almost never happens, it's just, it's not a thing for this year. You know, I don't know if I'd be a hundred percent opposed to that uh, the idea, Matt. Um, if you look at Bayard, a lot of safeties, you know, the the problem that they would have moving to nickel corner and playing is speed. But you know, Bayard runs a four four forty. So he obviously he has the speed that he could play up there. You know, it's not that's not ideal speed for a corner, but I mean that's not bad at all. That's workable speed at the cornerback position. The question becomes do you want Sims or Blake playing at corner and you know a nickel corner or do you want Johnson playing at safety? And in those situations I think I'd rather have Johnson at safety, and I know that he's been playing downright terrible, but comparatively, uh, I mean, you know, it's 
you're pi- you're comparing like two piles of dog shit, but one of them's a little bit bigger. I mean, like it's Johnson just doesn't suck as bad as Blake does. So I, I mean, I I wouldn't be opposed to that if it could work. If Byard's comfortable with the transition, you know, if if the if the team feels like that he could move to that nickel position, you know, for right now, I don't think I'd be opposed to it because I think having Johnson on the field is less of a liability than having Blake on the field. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's a, a random shot in the dark. I think moving forward, it might hurt his progression as a safety, but it's not something I want to do. It's just I don't know what else to do. Like, what happens if we actually do get into the playoffs and we roll into we roll into the playoffs with the worst secondary in the league, let alone in the playoffs? It'd be a shame if we actually got there and we came into it with that. If we do get to the playoffs, even with him, I don't see that making any difference. Um, if he's playing safety or corner, just because there's nobody else to play any of the other positions. Yeah, I kind of agree. If we get to the playoffs and get blown out in the first round, it would. I mean, it's gonna suck, but. I would still consider the season like a resounding success. Like it would, it would still be um, the best season we've had in quite some time. So, uh, getting yeah. to the playoffs is, you know, a small Super Bowl victory for the fans of Nashville. As bad as it's been lately, that'd be a very quick turnaround. Yeah, I'm already pleased with the season overall. I mean, we still have four more games. Oh, absolutely. As long as, as long as we don't go zero and four these last four, I'll be happy. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we, we're working with scraps right now, and and it's very noticeable. But that's that's all we can do. You know, me and Glenn both said at the beginning of the season we thought this was a six-win football team, uh, and we're already there with four games left. So you know, obviously, we're pretty happy with where this team is right now, and. And Malarkey's done a really great job with it. With and then you know Robinson, obviously the entire front office um, that's done a great job this off season, making this team uh, take a gigantic step forward. Really, but let's move on to the next question here and talk about this run game. Uh, Tony McCoy sent this one in, and he is asking us: uh, We haven't been running the ball really good lately. It's kind of taken a step back. Do you think? It could be Murray getting tired as the season wears on. Do you think the offensive line is struggling more than they were in the beginning of the season? What do you pin the blame on for the slowing down of the running game? A part of it is, you know, people have seen our game film now, so they know how we like to run the ball. Uh, it doesn't help that uh, the offensive line has been so beat up and it's so thin. And Murray is definitely hurt. He's not quite the same guy he was a few weeks back. It's a combination of all of that for me. Yeah, I think it does have something to do with Murray's uh, health. I don't know what it was exactly. I think it was a toe where he had his, his issues. But um, you can notice that he's running a little bit differently. Now's the perfect time to see more Derrick Henry. I know we, we started to a little bit in the first half uh, against the Bears. But for whatever reason, we laid off. I think DeMarco, it's ironic because he's such a great pass catcher that if you look at DeMarco Murray, in my eyes, I don't see him as a pass catcher, but that's what he's been doing all year. And, I mean, if we can use both of them, like other teams use different backs, Murray doesn't really fit that mold as, like, the James White type, you know, Deion Lewis type back. But uh, we really do need to get Derrick Henry on the field, especially for the, the short yard yardage, fourth and ones, third and ones that we seemingly cannot convert. So, I mean, I'd like to see Henry definitely on the field more for those whether it's, you know, an obvious rundown play or like when, when we couldn't convert this week against the Bears and we had that little option dish, whatever you want to call it, 
if you're not going to run the ball, why not just do a play action? They they work constantly in our system. <laughs> like whether it's Anthony Fasano wide open on the other side of the field, like no matter how we run those nine times out of 10, we get that play action pass. When we run these crazy little trick plays, they never work. I think that it, it is. The two reasons that I came up with were exactly what uh, Glenn and Matt just told you. Teams have gotten film. Teams get to see what this offense looks like. You know, it's brand new. Um, not only for us, but to the rest of the NFL. So it, it uh, normally you have success with something, a lot of success initially, and then teams start to figure out a game plan against it that can they can be more successful with. The other thing is, you know, it's been a long season, and we really have put a lot of the workload on DeMarco Murray's shoulders. That's why I think this bye week, um, you know, it, it sucks to have one this late in the season. You like to have him right in the middle, but it's nice when you get there. Because now it's just a time to refresh. We're going to have the freshest team out of any of the teams that we play for the rest of the season uh, because of this late rest you know, for us. So I think it's going to be great for a lot of different reasons, DeMarco Murray being one of them. And as for Matt, I just wanted to bring this up real quick. You kind of touched on it. It's getting Henry in on those short yardage situations. Uh, this is one thing in the play calling that I know has driven me crazy, and I know uh, – going off of what a lot of people have said in the group pages and stuff that has driven them crazy too is like you have a motherfucker that can squat a pickup truck you know he's like six foot fucking five have him run the ball if he falls forward there's three yards there just about i mean the dude's huge pound him on fourth and one pound him on third and two uh, it kind of blows my mind that we like, just never try this it just seems like common sense you know you have a guy that's huge just pound him on on those short fourth and short third and short situations when you need to pick up a first down now granted he's had uh limited options or chances at running the ball has he lived up to your expectations because when i see him run there's a lot of things that i don't like i mean i know he's a rookie and he's gonna pick up on stuff as the the years go on but i mean there's a lot of hesitation in his run I agree. Uh, the things that he does well, he does a little bit better than I thought he would. And then the things like the hesitation in his run, the not quite sure what to do when the hole isn't just wide open and there for him. Those are the things I questioned about him coming out of college in the first place. They don't pick up as much as I thought they would. I thought he would have more trouble getting to the edge um, than he does. He's, he does a pretty good job of just turning up field and falling forward for three or four yards, you know, which is all you'd need sometimes. But, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about with he, he doesn't quite have a polished look to him yet. He, he's still really raw as a running back, which is one of the things that people need to just, you know, relax that Murray's getting the ball so much. He, he needs to work his way in. And like you, you guys said, this is the time. This is when we start getting him that that extra work and getting him a chance to develop into the running back we need him to be. I agree, like, he does do that a lot of that dancing. I've talked about it before, but it does seem like he has far more success with it than most backs would. Like he seems like fifty percent of the time when he dances in the backfield and he shuffles before he really gets set. About fifty percent of the time, he breaks that initial tackle and, and goes for more yards. Um, you know, I wish that on a lot of plays that he would just put his head down and and go, but it does seem to work with for him. Um, just as often as it as it doesn't work, you know he he does that little shuffle, puts that stiff arm out, gets past the first guy, and it's a seven, eight, nine yard gain. Seems to do that quite often. So, you know, maybe it's something that they really don't want to take out of his game because 
if he does get tackled there doing that little shuffle, and you know he gets three yards. If he just ran straight forward, he would have got four yards. But on those fifty percent times that it does work, that's a nine yard gain. So you are you willing to give up one yard every now and again to gain you know five, six, seven yards? Uh, you know, on a couple plays. I mean, yeah, I think most coaches would make that gamble. Yeah, I think a major part of it is just him getting more comfortable with with the actual game, the flow of the game. And I know it's going to come, uh, but there's there's a lot of times he's the type of back that you really have to get him going, you know, to reach his full potential. I think he's just trying to make a bigger play than than what's really there. It hasn't really hurt him. I'm not disappointed in what I've seen so far. I just think that he's going to be a lot better. I agree with you. Let's move on to the last question here. Dylan Ray sends this one in. Avery Williamson is the question here. He's in. Uh, Dylan says, I love this kid, but he doesn't fit the 3-4 scheme. Do we send him off for something valuable next season? I think it would be better for both of us, meaning the team and Williamson. He belongs in a 4-3 system. What are your thoughts? We've said that before. Uh We've all said that we think he is a 4-3 uh, linebacker. I, I like Avery Williamson. He's just, like I've said, I've you know called him out before for hesitating before he makes his tackles, not being very good in coverage because it, a lot of it falls on him. I would trade him if I could get a good coverage middle linebacker in there, but it would really depend on what else we were bringing in before I would get rid of him because he has a lot of value to the team. I like him a lot. However, in pass coverage, he's downright awful, and I'll just I'll just say it. Uh, more often than not, he's given up a lot of passes over the middle. I do think he's obviously better suited in a 4-3, which we aren't going to be seeing anytime soon here. So I don't think we're going to get anything for him is the problem. I know he's still a young linebacker with a lot of uh, potential, but I don't see us getting any real value. So whether he can adapt to what we're doing, I don't know if, if – it's better to keep him or cut him loose. Yeah, I think I like every Williamson a lot. I'll start by saying that I do. Obviously, I think anybody who watches this guy, it's obvious that he is a guy that fits a four-three system better. He, you know, he's a four-three middle linebacker. You know, stuck in uh, a three-four scheme. I think that he does have some value for sure because he's young, he's talented, um, and I think that a lot of coaches that run. You know, uh, a four-three scheme will be able to see that. They know that you know Williamson is a guy that would fit better in that scheme. But uh, it kind of comes with what Glenn said. He does hold a lot of value. And then it's what? What? How are you going to replace him? What are you going to get for him? Is there somebody in the draft that you think can come in and be an upgrade? You know, because this team right now is built to win. You know, next year, this. You know, right now we're talking about possibly making the playoffs we're a half game back in the division as i already said next year i think that we're going to be division favorites from the start of the season i don't think that's out of the question so you don't really want to shake a ton up or put yourself in a situation where you're going to be hurting and i think that taking williamson out it does leave a big hole to fill and and you know it and um a defense that already has a lot of holes to fill so, I mean, if you can get the value for him, absolutely. Uh, if you think there's a guy in the draft that you really like uh, as a coverage middle linebacker or a coverage inside linebacker in a three-four scheme, 
then put you know pull the trigger on it. But if you're not seeing that, then I don't think that you just do it just because you know it feels good. Because um, yeah, I think that you don't want to damage a defense that's already pretty bad. And Williamson is. I mean, if you look at how bad our defense is, Williamson has to be in the top half best players on that defense. Yeah, I mean, when I said we weren't going to get much value for him, I mean, very rarely do you see, I mean, obviously we had one this year with DGB and Dennis Kelly, but we don't have a lot of player-for-player trades anymore. And you look at what Jamie Collins just went to Cleveland for. What was it, a a third-rounder? Yeah. Okay, I mean. I think it was. I mean, Jamie Collins is one of the best up-and-coming linebackers now. Granted, his salary plays a huge part into why, you know, that's that's what you got for him, but Avery's not gonna gonna create that kind of salary demand. But I mean, at the same time, like what what do you really realistically think we're gonna get for Avery Williams? And I see maybe a fifth rounder, if that. I mean, but that's what we took him in, I believe, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think he's a fifth round. You're gonna pick. get about what you gave for him. It's and it's not a question of his talent at that point. It's just his, his upside and what he's shown already. People aren't gonna overpay with draft picks unless you can get a player for player. You just it's a low round value. That's all you're ever gonna get. Yeah, I agree with that. Unless you're you're giving up like a you know, top end quarterback. That's the only time that you're gonna get those kind of deals where you get really high picks you know, or a guy that has a lot of promise. Um yeah, I think that the player for player trades, you don't see a lot of them. Uh but when you do see them, you see you don't see elite players. You see kind of middle of the road NFL players. Uh, get traded. So that's what makes me think that you could find something for Williamson, but who's going to make that deal? If you're uh, a 3-4 guy, you, you probably... I mean, if you're a 4-3 defense, you probably have a 4-3 guy, and if you're not going to just... Hey, if you have a guy that's as good as Williamson or better, you're not going to trade him. or You're not going to have a guy that doesn't fit your scheme. We're one of the few teams that kind of is stuck in between this transition um that never happened so you know you're not going to find any four three teams that have a three four inside linebacker willing to trade yeah you gotta find somebody else who's in the middle of a transition too or at the start of a transition i will say the first place we need to look is philadelphia because we've raped them twice so far so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the second one didn't feel like a rape at the time. It was, it was more like, you know, they came over for a sleepover, and then like three months later we remembered what happened. It was a date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got slipped the roofie, but whatever. We slipped them the roofie. I don't, I'm not sure you know how rape works, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they got Penn stated. Whoa. Oh, ouch, yeah. too soon. <laughs> it will forever be too soon on that one. <laughs> all right guys that's all i have for the mailbag if you have any questions that you want to send in you can tweet them at us you can send them to us on our facebook page uh or on the two our tennessee titans uncensored facebook page we always put uh, a post out there you can just comment your questions some people like to send them in over the messenger on facebook that works as well um however you get them into us uh, we like this week. We had a lot of great questions. So sorry if your question wasn't read this week. We did have a, a ton of really good questions. All right, we're gonna head into the break now. Some quick commercials here, and then we'll get right back into the show. Talk about this Bears game and get you ready uh, and moving into this bye week. We'll be right back.
Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. We have a message for the gentleman in the Nashville area. We have an event we want to make you aware of. Our good friend of the show, Brandon Williams, with the New Beginning International Ministry Church of God in Christ, is having a men's day service at 9 a.m. December 10th. That's the day the Broncos are coming to town. The men's day service is at 9 a.m., so you can attend and still go to the game. In fact, they are going to the game afterwards themselves, and they have 10 extra tickets available. They want to have an opportunity to communion with you, and then take you to the game afterwards. It's a first-come, first-served situation, so show up early, and the tickets are free. The address is 3670 Central Pike Suite G in Hermitage, Tennessee, 37076. If you have any questions for Brandon, you can find him on the Tennessee Titans Uncensored group. He's there regularly talking Titans with the other fans. The phone number for the church is 615-586-1839. You can call them with questions as well. They do a Wednesday service occasionally. There will be another one upcoming soon. Come on out, meet some good people. Maybe go cheer on the Titans as they beat the Broncos. Hey Titans fans, do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a rec hope didn't get six sacks Have you ever wondered why our defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end? If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Lossneiser from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast posts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning. It's on our twotoneuncensored.podbean.com page and links from the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it posts. It's a real quick read and even has pictures for the kids. For the kids! You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. And we're back from the commercial break. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. We're going to jump right into the news here. Uh, Glenn, I know that you have some great news for us, so take it away. My great news is that McCordy's not going to miss any significant time with his injury. Uh, Jarrell Casey got a little nicked up in this game. Also not going to miss any time. We're on the bye week. It's a great time to be a Titan because you get to rest before you have to come back and play a team like the Broncos and then the Chiefs. It's a good time to be resting, game planning. Absolutely. I never really considered a week 13 bye to be so beneficial, but the more you think about it, it really is. I know we, we I don't think we've ever had one this late, the one I can remember anyway. Yeah, it's the first in my memory that we've had one this late. And at first, when I first saw the schedule, you know, I hated it. I absolutely was like loathing that we were going to 
going to have to have a bye this late in the season. But now, you know, looking at a playoff push couldn't be better timing for us. Now it gives us, I mean, like I said earlier, we're going to be the freshest team on the field for every game that we play from here on out. No, Cleveland Browns, bro. We don't play them. We don't play them, Matt. Oh, that we Matt. play. Yeah, got it. Yeah, Matt. Listen, Matt. Comprende. All right. Comprende. Yeah, when and you so. Step at the you king. Know, you best come correct, son. I'm going to cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, other than injuries and a chance to heal up, we're now back in second place. If the Texans can lose again for us this week, we can move ahead of them, and we still get a chance to play them at the end of the year, which we've been talking about every week for the last four weeks, it seems. Our division is so bad that we're the only team with a positive net points, and we're the only division in football that is that is the case for. Houston and the Colts are both about the same spot, 31-42. The Jaguars, despite spending a king's ransom on players, it's minus 79 for their net points. So... They've got the worst return on investment I think I've ever seen in the professional football league. Yeah, it can't be fun this year to be a Jags fan. Um, even in the offseason, I thought this team was going to be a force to be reckoned with, and it just wasn't the case. I mean, they were straight awful. And I said at one point, or way earlier in the season, I said on the show that I think the Jaguars might have won their last game already. I believe that was like three or four or five weeks ago, and you know, each week they come out and prove me right. So uh, it's got to be terrible. They spent all that cap money to get, be worse than they were last year. Dude, at what point do you guys like start rooting for the Jags? Cause I'm tired of them getting fucking top five picks every year. It'll never happen. Nope. I'm just saying like this year, I'm like, like for instance, last week with, with Buffalo, I'm like, they were winning at one point. I'm like, finally, you know, maybe we can get it like, you know, the ninth pick instead of the fucking third for a change. No, don't care. It's just like the Browns. I don't ever feel sorry for the Browns. It's not about feeling sorry. It's about eventually they're going to fucking have a, a pretty good team. Their owner yeah. and their manager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've been drafting in the top fucking ten since, like, ever since, uh, what's his name, Homeboy left and went to fucking New York. They've been drafting in the top ten, like, every fucking year, and it's never worked out for them. So, and, you know, I'm not really worried about them having a good team. When the Jags suck, you just you just know that that's how you know that the world's still moving the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they get they get back to the Super Bowl. That's Armageddon. So, I, I'm fine with this. So I'm looking at it now. Let's see. We got Texans play at Green Bay next week, and let's see. Indy play at New York Jets. Winnable, losable. What do you think? I think well, they both and, lose. Andrew Luck's gonna be back. Um, you know, it looks like he's already healthy. He's already gonna be back in practice uh, today. He was at practice. So I think that they're going to end up beating that Jets team. This is a Jets team that's really struggled. Uh, it could be close. You know, this is definitely one that could be hard uh, to win. But I just I think that they're going to be the better team. So I think Colts going to win this week. As for, I mean, Green Bay's been so bad, and they have to, Texans do have a good defense. The Texans are finding it near next to impossible to move the ball down the field. And as soon as they do gain traction, uh, old Asweiler back there throws a pick. So. I think they're going to end up losing to Green Bay. I think this is a game that Green Bay is going to take. I think it's every chance that they both lose this week. And if they don't, whatever, we still got to win our games. You know, nothing else that happens at this point matters because we've got to win at least two, probably three more games, no matter who we take them from. I don't care about the rest of the division so much as we've just got to get these wins. See, I'm not worried about the Colts because I just don't think they're going to be there. And, you know, that team 
shoots himself in the foot a lot. But the Texans have a kind of a light schedule, the back end of this schedule. They have the Colts. Then they have the Jaguars, which, oh, that's a W. And then they have Cincy, who's been playing downright awful. And then they come, you know, to Tennessee. So, and they have some easy games up, you know, coming up the road here. So, And we do not. You know, we have two tough teams out of the AFC West. And we're still, you know, a half game behind them. So we need the Texans to suck ass, and we need to play some good football if we want to be in that playoff contention. The beauty of this next following week when we come back, the Texans play the Colts. So, I mean, if if both of them lose this week, that's really going to help our cause. They play each other, and then the following week, Indy plays the Vikings, which they could lose pretty easily, I think. And uh, one game you guys will be rooting for the Jaguars is against the Texans. So it could come down to a pretty interesting series of events uh, these last two weeks because, I mean, we, we control our own destiny. If if these two games now – now, granted, I think we have a better chance of beating the Broncos than we do the Chiefs. But, you know, both of those games are going to be tough. But the fact that Indy and Houston both have some tough opponents coming up and they play each other, that's – that's really going to help us out, I think. I actually, uh, I was trying to find some Texans players to add to my fantasy roster because of their schedule and what they've got coming up. I just couldn't find anybody that you can trust this late in the year. Uh, if you didn't draft them and you still have them on your roster somewhere, there's probably nobody out there worth picking up to get you over that hump and you know in the uh, fantasy football playoffs. And they do have such an easy road. We're going to have to root for the Colts, I think, next week and hope that hopefully they beat the Texans. Because uh, the Colts are going to shoot themselves in the foot, and they have a, a tough schedule. And then you got to root for the Jaguars, even though I don't think they have like a snowball's chance in hell. Since he could be an interesting game, because it's it's going to be a prime time game, or at least it's slotted right now to be an eight twenty five game. And Houston normally plays like shit in prime time, so that could help us out there. Yeah, Asweiler plays a big part in playing like shit, so that's why he left Denver. Do you to handle the lights? This is true. I think he left Denver because Houston was stupid enough to offer him $72 million. I, I think he just didn't want any part of having to follow Peyton Manning and that legacy and the expectations of winning this year. You Sorry. know what's awesome about Osweiler, just real quick, an awesome Osweiler stat? is he He's like the lowest uh, quarterback rating so far out of like any Texans quarterback ever. But it's right now it's 72.2, which means they paid him a million dollars per point. <laughs> And his fucking quarterback rating, which is just fucking awesome. Then I don't want to toot my horn, but I called that from the door. That dude sucks. I'm not we worried all about that one. Yeah, you and well, everybody else. <laughs> you know, my, my thing is, is if someone's willing to pay a million dollars per quarterback point, I'm willing to go out there and play quarterback. And hey, if, if my score is one, I still I got a million say, dollars for the year. Say, I'm good. You can, you can earn yourself like $1.2 million doing that. At <laughs> least. E- even with my reconstructed shoulder, I can make this happen. You're a sellout, Glenn. I am. We see how fast Tom Brady is, man. You don't have to be quick. <laughs> uh, it's not about speed. It's about the ability to uh, move your arm in a forward motion. I, I can probably do that with effort two or three times. Looking at his stats right now, he, <laughs> two was, or he, three was, times. Two four, he, he threw for 246 yesterday with three picks. <laughs> that is He fucking sexy. sucks. We against have San to, Diego as well. Granted, we had a few, a few mistakes against, against uh, the Chargers, but he's garbage. Yeah, that's what we have to hope keeps happening is Osweiler keeps ruining it for this team because, I mean, you look at Houston, they run the ball pretty well. You know, not, I think, as well as a lot of people. It's not not as good as I thought they were going to, but pretty well. They have a, still have a good defense. 
Osweiler plays them out of games. We just have to keep hoping that he does that. You know, um, we got to really hope that Osweiler keeps fucking it up for this Texans team. That's going to be our playoff chances right there. Well, you know, like the Jaguars, the, the Texans have spent a quarter of their uh, salary cap on Osweiler and another quarter of their salary cap on Watt, who's probably done. So, you know, that helps us in that their salary cap is destroyed with players that are not helping them right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then you look at uh, the Colts who have, you know, $25 million a year wrapped up in Andrew Luck. Exactly. And we talked about that earlier. There's no one else there worth paying. You know, so you have to give him that money and then just hope he gives some of it back in a contract adjustment if you promise to bring in some players worth paying to help him out. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, everybody but us in our division is stuck right now because of the the shitty moves that they've made. Uh, and, you know, for the Colts, it's really not a shitty move. It's something that you have to do. We talked about it, you know, just like you said, you have to do that move. But for the Texans and uh, the Jaguars, uh, stupid moves and, you know, just didn't pan out. The Jags will all have a chance almost every year to draft another quarterback, so they can get out of that part of it. It's all the money they spent on their defense that didn't turn into anything. Now, obviously, the Colts are a game back from the Texans, but who do you think is the real favorite out of those two? Texans, for sure, because their schedule's way easier. That's what I would say, too. I mean, the Colts have some games in there that, even with Andrew Luck, they're going to have a hard time winning. If it was just those two playing head-to-head for the rest of the year, I'd probably pick the Colts because Andrew Luck is that much better than the entire Texans roster. Right, I agree. I would probably go with the Colts, um, even though, I mean, the Texans are 3-0 and in our division right now. So, for what that's worth, they play well at home. Realistically, we kind of want to be rooting for the Texans out of those two because the Colts already beat us twice. So, if it does come down to uh, a tied record, we need to take the Texans this, this next coming matchup and because um, obviously the Colts have the tiebreaker on us. Yeah, we definitely need the, the Texans to be the one who succeeds and challenges us because the Colts are already ahead of us. And I don't think I want to play the Colts again. I, I'm good. Let's just take them out of the division. Quick side note. Right now I have the, the Monday night game, the pregame uh, pre-show on, and they just showed Valentino Blake uh, on the Come On Man segment, and they showed <laughs> – they showed him uh, calling the wrong direction against Green Bay when we got the ball off the kick or off of the botched punt. And they showed him jumping and grabbing the ball at the like one yard line, downing the football in uh, in that uh, Colts game. And they just showed him last week um, not even covering that Bears receiver who just dropped the ball in the end zone. So yeah, he's becoming and like he's not half the guy who got fired. Blake yeah. is like half of the Come On Man segment at this point. Clearly, he knows what he's doing. And that's what I said earlier, man. He definitely should have been the first to go, but you, you cannot argue the the cut of Paris Cox. But, I mean, why is Blake still on the team? Bring that's my Cody thing. Riggs, is, d- <laughs> Fuck Cody Riggs. This is what I forgot to ask you this, Matt, but I was going to ask you, uh, and I know that, you know, Riggs is not on the practice squad, but did it upset you a little bit that Reed was the <clears> choice and, and they didn't bring back Riggs? No, I think Reed's got more potential. Uh, he's probably not further along than Riggs is right now, but they've already cut the leash on Riggs. So, I mean, whatever he ends up doing, you know, he he's done. There's no way. If they were seriously to bring him back to our practice squad, it would be the most ridiculous shit that I, I, I can't even see that happening. Maybe you guys have noticed because I have not. Have you guys seen any of Curtis Riley this year? Nope. Nope. I think maybe we will because what else do we have? <laughs> <You> might as <laughs> well. I don't think I've ever seen him play. Period. In general, 
I've only seen him in preseason last year before he got hurt. Right. That was it. I don't think we're <laughs> going to see any Kalen Reed. I mean, I, I, I don't know that we will, but yeah, I think we that do, we're right. going to see just as much Reed as we did when he was on the practice squad. My my thing is is right now it's open tryouts for who wants to be on the field next year because everybody else that's out there except for McCordy is pretty much on the chopping block. It's like all of you fuckers can be replaced. I even changed my Facebook picture, you know, basically just LeBeau looking at you know his defensive backs going, what the fuck are you guys doing out there? Because they're obviously not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not where they're supposed to be. And I mean, you saw it. Blake doesn't cover the man. Cox falls down, and he's three yards behind a guy, you know, dropping the ball for a touchdown. It was a brutal game. We haven't really covered it yet, but we definitely should not have won the game. I mean, how, as uh, crazy as that is, like, we're sitting here like nothing ever really happened because we did win. But, like, yeah, we should not have won that game. I'm not saying like that. We just haven't reviewed the game yet. <laughs> speaking of the game, let's jump right into it here, guys. Um, this game was really a tale of two halves. We started out just – uh, dominating the first half uh, after giving up a score early, answered back quickly and, and kept the throttle on them. And then uh, second half, it starts slowing down. We start kicking field goals instead of touchdowns. And then all of a sudden, Bears are right back in this game. Uh, you know, this is kind of the exact opposite of what we normally do, which is give up the big lead early, and then we're the ones scrapping back. But absolutely, you're right. It, we shouldn't have won this game. There was two different, no, three different passes dropped in the end zone on that final drive, that could have been scores easily. Yeah, and the the main one that sticks out was the uh, the second to last one with Josh Bellamy dropping that wide open when Parrish Cox is uh, five feet behind him, laying on his fucking chest on the ground, face first. I it, it's so fitting that that play happened. He didn't catch it, and Cox still got cut because if if we would have lost the game before that play, I mean. Same outcome would have happened, but the fact of the matter is, the guy, I don't know if he's injured, if he's playing through injury or what, because he's never played this poorly before, but the last few weeks, man, every quarterback that plays us just picks on Cox, and and who, the, the thing is, though, I don't know who's going to put, you know, be put in that spot, but I have a feeling next man up's going to have some issues as well, so we'll see what happens. McCourty right now, he's like the best corner in the league he's, he's got the whole half of the field just blanketed and covered because no one's going to throw anywhere near there because they don't have to they got the whole other side of the field to just hammer all day long you know mccordy, they don't have, McCordy peninsula the mccordy peninsula there you go right yeah, it's he had to go blake is so so bad and i was going to say this earlier while you guys were talking but I, I don't understand what it is about blake that they like so much because they keep trying to find different ways to involve him like in the special teams last week where he was so terrible why are we doing things with a guy that has proven he has no business being on the team on the field anywhere it's just why are they putting so much effort into trying to make blake a successful player i can answer that Glenn. national exposure he's on come on man every week i mean what more do you need you don't come on man every week because they keep putting him on the field that's true. <laughs> it's it's good publicity, yeah. No, I think that it comes down to uh, the real reason I think he sticks around just because he's a Dick LeBeau guy. You know, he, he was he's played in the Dick LeBeau system. He knows how to play the system, even though he's he doesn't know how to, and he's terrible. Uh, I think that just has to do with the, the relationship he has to this you know style of defense is what keeps him around. Even though and no, it shouldn't, and I know it doesn't make sense because he's fucking terrible in that style of defense. 
But just the knowledge that he has, I think that's the only reason he sticks around. That's no excuse. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying that's why I think it, it is. I, I know yeah. you don't think it's right, and you corrected yourself, but he is so obviously not capable of playing man or zone coverage. <laughs> I don't know what he does that makes anybody look at him and go, this guy knows what he's doing, because he's Definitely. lost all game long, no matter what defensive system he's in. Yeah, clearly he has no idea what's going on. I, I know, obviously, I wasn't on the show last week, and I don't know if you covered it or not. Did you see him on Twitter defend his his uh, go up and grab for that punt? Yeah, got yeah. It on the one. we talked about him doubling down on that shit. Yeah, are you fucking kidding that. me? <laughs> like, what? How stupid are you for like the fact that you made the mistake is bad enough, but then you go back and say if the coach tells me to get the ball, I'm getting the ball. Like what? Well, you know, he changed it into Valentino. That's true. <laughs> that was the first step into a very long season. Well, I, I can almost guarantee he's not on the team next year, and I don't know why he's on the team this year. He shouldn't be on the team right now. I think you could probably go get somebody you know, off the street who's got a little bit more potential than him. Cody uh, Riggs. Cody Riggs, that's fine. I'd play Curtis Riley. Fuck it. He, had a, he looked okay in the preseason you know, last year. Let's go ahead and throw him out there. He can't possibly be as embarrassing yeah. As Blake. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Blake is in an embarrassment when he's on the field. I, when I saw that Cox got cut, I thought I thought that we were about to see Blake get cut too. Even though that, that kind of puts us in a situation, I thought it was going to happen because I thought that – I was like, they're obviously sending a message here. Blake's coming next. And maybe we'll try to sign somebody cheap just to get to the rest of – just to have like a warm body. I, you cannot be possibly worse than that. So I, I like I don't know why. Let's say hypothetically Blake gets put into the number two slot, plays as poorly as we all predict he will. Then do you I see will him swallow get... a fucking bullet. <laughs> do 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 you see him getting cut? Maybe no. not this week, but this year. At the end of the back. year, he's gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I cannot see. It. I don't care unless he comes out with two interceptions of the game from here on out, and maybe even a touchdown here or there. I mean, other than that, I don't see him even in consideration. That is about what it would take. I was going to say there's no such, there's no scenario you can present. But, yeah, two two interceptions a game and a couple of touchdowns, okay, he he can stay. But that's No, it. I'll consider it. <laughs> Not even he can stay, I'll just consider it. We'll fucking alter on Werner his ass and get rid of him. He's definitely got a one-year contract every year no matter what. Yeah. I, 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 here's my bold – this is off of uh, Blake. He's on a lease. <laughs> <laughs> this is off of Blake, but sticking in our secondary. This is my bold prediction: is I think McCain steps up. He played good in this game. He's. It's been a while since he had a really bad game. I think that that's the reason they felt so comfortable cutting Paris Cox. Is McCain's been playing better. I still think McCain gets burned at least twice a game. So, eh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not comfortable with McCain but you're right as far as he's been playing better than Cox and Blake so I mean it is what it is we got to go with it whether we like it or not that's that's where we are all right so we're gonna do the blame game after losses we're gonna do the fame or blame game here so in the first half who do you think deserves the credit for us being so fantastic in the first half and then secondly who do you think deserves the blame uh for the second half meltdown I started the blame at the first half uh, it, as soon as you give up a touchdown to the Bears that early and you're losing to the Bears, as bad as that team is, as hurt as that team is, for us to have ever been behind in that game 
I just I don't care that we ever got up and that we won the game. This is the worst I've ever felt about a win. Yeah. Can't argue that. To say that the the receivers stood out to me in the first half is, is probably true, I guess to say. But Mariota's passes have been on point. And uh, Harry Douglas has played really well. He stepped up, made a few catches this game. Uh, Rashard Matthews has stepped up all year, especially lately. I think Mariota's getting the ball to them, which he definitely deserves a lot of credit for that. And uh, I'll also give credit to Wesley Woodyard, who had an interception. He's definitely our best cover linebacker, and sadly enough, I don't know that we keep him. We're definitely a dresser aft, whether or not once or twice. I'm not sure how, how deep we go. Obviously, the secondary is to blame. I mean, they could not stop anything, and a lot of people were judging Malarkey and Rubisky and LeBeau about you know taking their fo- our foots off their throats, but we never had a dominant lead. We were up 21-7. to you know, yeah, that's a comfortable lead. And and the beauty of it is they scored first on us. So knowing that, you know, in most cases we get we put ourselves in such a shitty hole and end up getting ourselves out of it, whether we actually get out of the hole or not, we always come close either way. So even though we got scored on first, you know, Marcus bounced back in the first half. We we gained the lead and ultimately that's what won us the game because the secondary couldn't stop a damn thing. And I mean they picked on, on LaShawn Sims a lot. They picked on Cox. But ultimately, what won us the game is the Chicago Bears receivers because our secondary didn't stop shit. We should have lost, and luckily we didn't. We're here 6-6. Six and six. For me, uh, yeah, you have to give a lot of credit to Mariota. I mean, he was throwing some great passes out there. But also, Matthews with a diving catch. Uh, you mentioned Harry Douglas, who had a few really good plays in this game. He had a nice sliding catch on that seam route. Uh, yeah, he he came up and even though we didn't see a lot of him, when we did see Harry Douglas in this game, he was playing good football and making big plays for us. And Matthews has really stepped up as he is without a doubt the number one wide receiver on this team. I saw that you know he got his seventh touchdown, which means he gets a quarter of a million dollars bonus that's written into his contract. So congratulations to him for that. And I mean he's been playing excellent. That diving catch in the back of the end zone was nothing short of spectacular. Uh, from the throw and the the catch, it was just an amazing play. Probably one of the best plays that we've made as an offense this season. I mean, it was just fantastic. That's all you can say about it. You, that ball was thrown perfectly. The diving catch was gorgeous. You know, a great play. That And Derrick Henry really stepped up. He got a lot more carries in this game, and he played well. Uh, kept us going in a lot of situations. I, I really liked the way that he played in this game. But then for the blame game for me, if I'm doing it percentage-wise, I think I'm going to put a heavy amount. Probably 80% of it goes to Cox, Blake, and uh, and Sims, who are just terrible in that those last two drives, I mean, they were so hard to watch. Our last three drives, whatever it was, were so hard to watch. We couldn't stop anybody. It was just You knew as soon as he dropped back, he was either going to be pressured and throw an incompletion, or he was going to complete the pass down the field and get a decent chunk of yardage out of it. I mean, it, they didn't throw, like, anything in those last two drives that was, like, under 12 yards. And just completing everything they threw. I mean, it was so fucking hard to watch. And I know everybody out there, everybody listening to this show... I uh, went through that same thing that I went through. It was just, you know, it's so hard to watch us just get gashed like that time after time after time. But the last 20% I'm going to put on the offense. Uh, if we would have had sustained one of those drives, you know, could we have consecutive three and out in this game uh, before, you know, the, the drive at the very end where we just knelt the ball. It's three and outs on back-to-back possessions. We can't keep the ball out of their hands. We're a running team. 
we should be able to run the clock out at the end of the games. I know that everybody's going to focus on the secondary because of how bad it was, but a little bit of blame does go on the offense for not being able to sustain a drive and keep the ball out of the hands of the Bears offense and come out with an easier victory uh, than we had. Marcus had a great statistical game and he looked good out he did his part i thought henry would have had more carries in the second half than he did i thought he could have run a little bit better but i really thought that they should have kept feeding him the ball like you said we we couldn't keep the ball out of their hands and once they got it it was either a big play or nothing it they lost the game we didn't win anything Uh, the the fact that we came back and got a nice lead that's all great and everything but they dropped all those balls they had so many chances to beat us we, we didn't win this game. They lost it for us. Another aspect of blaming, and I'm usually, when it comes to Malarkey, I usually stand up for him. <laughs> but uh, Rubisky, I've been hit or miss on, you know, throughout the year. But, and this goes into like a two-part thing here. Why haven't we used Kendall Wright? And second part of that is, I don't know if you guys noticed, Kendall Wright was in our backfield blocking at one point. <laughs> what yes, the hell? What the hell are we doing? Like what? I, for for one, he blew up in week what four or five, mm-hmm. uh, and we haven't seen him since. Like what? What are we doing with him? Yeah, I don't have any idea what's going on with the complete disappearance of Kendall Wright. I mean, we don't even throw him the ball. He's hardly running routes. I I don't know what he's doing out there. But putting Kendall Wright back to the block is about as smart as Harry Douglas being put back there to block and being expected to take on a defensive end or an outside linebacker and getting Marcus blown up as he threw that interception against Minnesota that went back for a touchdown. There there are certain things we do where we get too cute. We hadn't seen as much of it lately, but this that, that play was definitely one of those, what the fuck are you doing? No one's falling for this. And even if they did it, he can't stop anybody, so what difference does it make if he's back there? Yeah, See, this unless... is you guys are out of your mind. We have two big running backs. <laughs> it makes sense to bring in the little shrimpy receiver to block in the backfield. I don't know what you guys are. No, it's fucking retarded. This is dumb. <laughs> this is real dumb. Uh, I don't know what the way we were thinking on that play. He didn't even have a target in this game. Nah. Not one, and, and it, I don't understand why what we're doing with him. I think that we're limiting ourselves in this one. But we really, I mean, you look at it, we didn't throw the ball much in this game at all. Uh, Mario had 23 passes, 15 completions uh, for 226, two touchdowns. You know, seven targets go to, to Matthews, five go to Murray. You know, that's the lion's share right there. That's over half of the passes just in those two players. Then, of course, two to Douglas, four to Delaney Walker, and three to Tajay. The one thing I wanted to bring up, though, before we moved off of Harry Douglas completely, two targets, two catches, 60 yards. Yeah. Uh, and as long was 35, so he did 35 and 25. Pretty fucking spectacular day for a guy we don't see very much of. Yeah, he's definitely out of my doghouse. He, <laughs> I didn't like much of what we, ha- what we had going on when he was in, in the game, but he's he hasn't been in every game, but, I mean, for the last four weeks or so, when he has been on the field, he's definitely impressed me. He's 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 been very reliable, believe it or not. And I know in the beginning of the year he was anything but. Uh, but as far as Kendall Wright goes, if you're going to put him in the backfield, give him a rush because I know he's he's quick enough to get up the field. Uh, but as a blocker, that makes zero sense. And I don't know if they waited to see what kind of look they were going to you know what they were going to get, but, I mean, I, I don't ever want to see that again. We have a fullback on the roster that we don't use, and he's pretty good as far as I know. I was going to bring that up. It's like, why don't we see more uh, Jalston Fowler? As big as the downhill running game, 
I feel like we're really limiting ourselves by not using the guy. And he's good. He has good hands, too, which is something he never gets credit for. But he has good hands coming out of the backfield. And as much as we love running these little, you know, kind of gadget plays that we have, a lot of these screen plays that we've been seeing in the fake screen to screen pass that we've been running, uh, why not get Jostin Fowler back there and get him more involved? You know, he can play out of the backfield in the passing game, too. There's no reason why we shouldn't see more of him. On top of that, has chemistry with Derrick Henry already. Yeah, he, he's, he's one of those guys that should definitely be on the field more often. When he's on the field, you're not getting too exotic. You're just smashing the crap out of people. More more smash mouth, less exotic. Yeah, who said that? That was a good idea. <laughs> it, it, it was pretty good at the time. Dude, we need to make that a t-shirt. I'm down. Um, But one thing I wanted to talk about uh, moving forward is Derrick Henry and uh, DeMarco Murray in this game. Derrick Henry had eight carries, uh, six yards on a 7.5 average and a touchdown. And DeMarco Murray, 17 carries for 43 yards. It's a 2.5 average. And if you look at Henry, his longest was 17. So it wasn't, you know, just one big play. He was consistently playing, you know, very well. And and DeMarco Murray just seemed a little lackluster in this game for sure. Uh, Mariota, obviously the king of the rushing attack this week, only four carries, but he had 11 and a half yards per carry and had some really smart runs. But speaking of these two running backs, I know we're going to the bye week. We can get refreshed. Do you think that do you think this is just a fluke? You know, moving forward, you know, Murray obviously still the number one. That's not in question. But you think that we're going to see him get right back to the good running that we've seen from him for most of the season? I think there's a good shot at it. The, the line will be healthier again. He'll be healthier again. Unfortunately, we're coming back against two really good defenses. So it, you may not feel it right away if he comes back playing really well. But I, I think he gets back, and he, he looks a lot better in the second half. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, especially with – I honestly think, and, and statistically, maybe the Broncos are a better defense, but I'm more frightened of the Chiefs' defense. I think they have a lot more um, playmakers. And I, I with with the Broncos, yeah, they're a great defense. And, and I, I don't – I don't know who's better, to be honest. I'm more worried about the Chiefs game than I am the Broncos, whether it's an overall aspect. But I do think using our pass game and using Murray in our pass game is going to benefit us uh, tremendously. But we do need to see more of both backs. And I think, honestly, the play action is going to be the key to us you know, moving up and down the field. All right, moving on from that, guys. And, you know, I real quick to comment on is I agree with you. I think we're going to see uh, Murray get back. So I don't think everybody needs to worry Everybody out there calling for it's Henry to start and you know, slow your roll. But two things I always like to bring up: uh, penalties and turnovers. And it's a you know completely on opposite ends for us for Tennessee right now. Turnovers. It seems like every game uh, re- of recent memory we end up in the positive in the turnover margin. Uh, this team's very playing very disciplined when it comes to turnovers. A lot of it has to do with Marcus Mariota maturing as a quarterback. We're not seeing the fumbles which have been uh, even a bigger issue than his interceptions in his young career. And we're not seeing the interceptions. You know, he's thrown three interceptions, I believe 21 touchdowns in the last so many games. He's been playing outstanding. But penalties have killed us. We only had six penalties in this game, which is pretty low. In fact, they had seven penalties. The problem is we gave up 118 yards in penalties. And even though they had more penalties, they gave up less than half of the penalty yardage that we did. A lot of those coming on very long 
um, pass interference calls. Then you have two face masks on back-to-back plays for Taylor Lewan. This team plays very undisciplined when it comes to penalties, very disciplined when it comes to turnovers. Why do you think this is? Basically because our uh, our secondary was getting smoked and having to commit penalties rather than give up receptions. And Taylor does that. Yeah, I guess it's better to give up a chunk of yardage as opposed to giving up a touchdown. And that's basically where we are. The secondary is so weak that that's – probably the best best route to go um as far as the penalties go with any other position for instance i know you guys are pretty hard on my boy taylor lawan his face masks i still say that you know his his heart i love the way he plays even though he does make a lot of dumb mistakes um for what it's worth though i i think he's well worth all the penalties he gets us and, and I know they're in, in pretty shitty times, but to have the O-line gel the way they have and have him being a huge part of that, to me, it's it's worth it. See, the, for me, it's – I mean, he does play excellent. There's no question that he's been having a phenomenal season, uh, one hell of a, of a left tackle. But it's not just that he's committing penalties. He just – he commits the most costly penalties. He commits drive killers, game losers. Uh, he, he commits those penalties. It's not like he's committing a ton of penalties, but he commits the most costly penalties. Like he always picks the worst time to do something stupid. That's hard to argue. I mean, you're 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 right. But again, you take the good with the bad. Um, I'm happy to have him, and I think he's a huge part of our success. So, I mean, I think yeah, he should settle down a little bit when it comes to his personality and his uh, rage on the field. Sometimes it's sometimes it's beneficial. Sometimes it's not. I mean. It is what it is. We've talked about the corners and how terrible they are. We've talked about uh, Williamson and Woodyard. Williamson uh, not having his best game for sure, and Woodyard really stepping up in this one. But two guys in the secondary I really want to bring up that actually imp- you know impressed me a little bit this week. We've talked about it a little bit. Bryce McCain had a, a decent day. You know he was probably the shining star uh, of our corners for sure. Kevin Byard though. I want to bring up this real quick because he had one pass deflection, two quarterback hits. We've seen him, Dick LeBeau, use him in, a, in blitzes uh, this year with some success. He was the one that came in and brought pressure and won that interception thrown to Cersei in the end zone that you know caused the hurried throw that was, I mean, just an easy pick. Anybody that was standing there would have caught it. And then he was he brought uh, pressure on that throw to the end zone that was too long uh, over Valentino Blake and his terrible coverage. So some key blitzes that he had in this game, and the two QB hits, obviously uh, important. This young man is showing quite uh, a diversity. You know, he, he plays good back there, obviously, in the backfield, and uh, being a big part of this blitz uh, scheme that Dick LeBeau has, um, something that I noticed in this game, and I think he deserved credit for, is how well he played in the blitz uh, blitzes when we needed to use him. My, my thing with you know this team and the way we blitz so heavy in this game is you're blitzing because you know your corners can't do anything, but at the same time you saw what happens if you blitz and you don't get there. You know, even guys like Matt Barkley can beat you up if if you can't get there having all the pass rush in the world doesn't matter and the bears did a good job of just getting the ball out on time and i, I really enjoyed byard he he had a good game you know like, like you said he, he got a couple quarterback hits in there he, he's a guy that we all expect great things from so him playing well is never a surprise to me of the group that we have back there, he's probably the only guy that i guarantee you is here next year i mean cordy's probably here 
Cersei is probably still here. But the rest of those guys, they're all replaceable. And even Cersei, I'm not that high on him. I just I don't think that we'll replace him year one next year. We blitz out of desperation, and you know he he was about half a second too late a couple times, which you know gave us gave up some big plays. Chicago Bears probably have the worst defense, or I'm sorry, the worst receivers in the league as a whole with Alshon Jeffrey not playing. Um, they got I can name a couple just because my brother's a Bears fan, but if I you know if I didn't have that inside source, I wouldn't probably wouldn't know any of them. Um, they made us look horrible. I mean, that speaks volumes. And Matt Barkley's the one throwing them. I have nothing against Barkley, but I mean, from what we had in the first half to what he did to us in the second half, I mean, it's it's like night and day. And we had to blitz out of desperation. Fired almost got there a couple times, but you know, almost doesn't cut it. I think that if we could have more support and uh, occasionally call blitzes like that, I think we would definitely have success doing it but you know it's basically a band-aid to cover up desperation that that we just can't cover anybody and the bears receivers who had at least 10 drops this game if it weren't for them being so bad i mean we would have it now right now we'd be five and seven and not six and six i see i think almost does count when it's forcing incompletions and interceptions uh i was impressed by this i mean that interception was Bayard, uh, you know, Cersei gets credit for the interception, but it does not happen without Bayard deciding to, to gun in late. Um, it wasn't even a blitz, uh, playing blitz. He just came in late because the Barkley rolled out to that side. It was a smart choice and led to they score there. We don't win this game. So, you know, very huge play for us in this football game. You know, to yeah. that point, though, is he said what he's saying is this. The only reason that barely was close enough was because the Bears receivers were dropping the ball on the other end. They did all the work for us because we couldn't quite get there. Our timing wasn't quite good enough. You had to play a lot of man when you blitz that heavy. And we don't have guys who can man cover. So it took the receivers on the Bears being bad enough to drop all those passes because Barkley was good enough to beat us and beat us easily if they weren't dropping those passes. This this win goes 100% to the Bears receivers to me. Yep. Absolutely. No, I agree with that for sure. But, you know, another thing comes with that is you know, the Blitz is never going to get there when Barkley only has to be in the pocket for 1.6 seconds to get the ball out. You know, I, we do need to figure out something. Uh, we need to come up with some zone Blitzes, in my opinion, uh, because a lot of these guys cannot play in man. And the thing is, is I expected a lot of zone blitzes because they went and got a bunch of guys who can't play man coverage. So I thought we'd be zone blitzing and playing soft coverage all year and then just blitzing the hell out of people or else playing really tight man for, you know, the first 10 steps and counting the coverage to get there, which is what we tried this week and it didn't work. If you're going to go out and play a bunch of man, you should at least have some guys who can man cover somebody. We, we don't have man cover guys on this team. You know, the best man cover guy we got is probably Sims after, you know, McCordy. Because I'm not talking about McCordy with most of this stuff. But, you know, it's probably Sims. And he, it was his first real game. He's not ready to have that kind of responsibility yet. Yeah. And like you said, Ryan, with the uh, Cersei getting the pick because of Byard, Cersei played one of the worst games I've seen all year from him. I, I don't know what's going on with Cersei. But, you know, he got credit for the pick. But realistically, that was one of the worst performances I've seen from him. I think it's hurting us 
with Cersei just because uh, Stafford not playing there. And that's a guy I think should will be around next year as, as Stafford. He's really stepped up this year. His big problem was not tackling as well, and he still shoots for the ankle sometimes when he shouldn't. Uh, but right now, he's the guy's not missing tackles, uh, not missing very many at all. And uh, he's impressed me this year. It's one guy that stood up, and, and I've liked the way that he's performed this year, and a guy that I'm okay if he sticks around. Yeah, both of our veteran safeties have just been a disappointment this year. Uh, John, uh, Johnson doesn't give you much of anything on the field. Cersei, <laughs> like you said, I don't know what's wrong with him. He should be better than this. Uh, last year... I've kind of felt like the safeties were too busy covering for our bad corners. This year, they're not helping the corners any, and they're still not getting anything done. I agree. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, all right, guys. We're going to real quick uh, move on from this Bear Games. Talk about a little bit of the bye week real quick. Not a lot to cover here. Just what's your biggest focuses? Uh, if you're Malarkey, if you're John Robinson this week, what's the big thing that you want to f- – a big, a couple things that you're focusing on in this bye week? It's real obvious for me. Um, get these young guys in the secondary ready for whatever role we're going to give them. Figure out who our number two is because our number two is on the street right now. Uh, take care of our injuries. And basically just, you know, prepare. We got four games left. It's it's a, a realistic four games that we may not win all four, but we could. I mean, every single game we've been in, even when we dig ourselves in 21 nothing holes, you know, we found a way to at least make it close, if not, you know, get out of that hole. So Denver doesn't scare me. I mean, this is the team that playoff caliber team. Chiefs are a playoff caliber team. Um if you really want to be realistic, the Texans, I guess, in our division, are a playoff caliber team. Um, I think we got a shot to win all four of these games. I don't think we will. But realistically, to win two, if not three of these four, it, it sucks that our, our secondary is so weak. But we have a legitimate shot to win this division and, and go into the playoffs. So figure out where we are in our secondary do do whatever you know needs to be done as far as assignments and and uh preparing and just just get healthy yeah total total coach speak you know we spend this uh this two weeks getting healthy getting everybody in a good place mentally making a strong game plan and coaching up the uh young guys and getting them ready for a defensive back rotation that's all we're doing. Uh, there's there's nothing else to really do beyond that. I imagine John Robinson will spend some time watching some playoff games uh, this, this winter and find us some new cornerbacks. Hey, when is it too early to talk draft talk? Because I know we, we brought it up on the site a few times, and uh, I'm not going to do it until it's time. But <laughs> I, know, I know it's <laughs> in the back of everyone's mind. It absolutely is. How about yeah. this? We, uh, I mean, we're going into a bye week this week. We won't have a game to cover. This upcoming week, we'll do some way too early draft talk since we'll need some in- stuff anyway since we don't have a game to cover. That's what I thought we would do. And then, you know, the, the off season is a long off season. We won't have this weekly built-in stuff to talk about at that point. So, you know, we'll bring the uh, the, the listeners a lot of draft talk, a lot of uh, free agency talk and things like that. So we're going to talk about the draft way too much here in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, the Can't one wait. thing, going back there, I think Matt said it perfect. The only thing that uh, I would add into that is uh, is a lot of mindset stuff. Anybody who's played the game knows that these kind of wins, when you know you should have lost, really, and you you know you gave up a big lead, 
they can be confidence killers for a football team. Malarkey has been really good this year at getting this team's mindset right and getting them fired up. Uh, that's a, of key importance to me this week and in the bye week. You know, getting their head right. We have two very tough opponents, and uh, you know our team knows that these guys aren't dumb. They know that these are two tough teams, uh, and I think we need to be able to squeak a win out of one of these. So, getting your head right, getting you back in the game, realizing that this is a very tough football team that can stick out with these two teams, that can beat these two teams, um, and you know, and has a very real shot at making the playoffs. So just getting your head right. Is the one thing I'd add, but everything that Matt said, you know, perfect covering um, exactly what we need to be doing in this bye week. Yeah, it took my confidence too. I, I'm thinking two and two is the best we can come out of the rest of this season. Playoffs going to be dependent on beating the Texans and them not being at nine wins. Yep. I think three and one is possible. I'm not saying we'll do it, but I think beating. I, I agree with what Matt said that I think that uh, Kansas City is uh, going to be a tougher matchup for us than Denver will be. I 100% agree with him with there. So I think that we can beat Denver, lose to Kansas City, win the next two games, end up in the playoffs. I, I don't know if we will do it, but I definitely think it's a possibility. I can see it. It's not that far-fetched. I can definitely see it. It's not far-fetched. I just don't think it's going to happen for us. The worst part is I'm going to be at that Kansas City game, so I'll be able to tell you, you know, firsthand you know, how it went for us. Uh, the, the thing is, is you're not wrong. Kansas City is definitely the tougher matchup. The... Broncos have the better defense, but they don't have the offense. They don't have the flow on offense. Kansas City has a veteran offense. You know, Their quarterback may not be great anymore, but he knows what he's doing out there. They've got enough talent around that offensive group that they can throw the ball against us, they can run the ball against us. And then their defense, like Matt said earlier, those guys are playmakers. They may not have the best numbers, but they turn the ball over a lot. You know, they, they find ways to get in the path of the ball. The Chiefs win based off of turnovers. That's how their defense works. And so that's going to be a tougher game for us to win. And it's going to be dependent on Marcus for us to win against either one of these teams. Uh, he's going to have to come up and play really great football against really good defenses to try to keep the score high enough on our side that our secondary doesn't get burned up too much, which everybody sees coming. I mean, we all know that. We were watching that game last night going, our secondary's in so much fucking trouble. <laughs> and, that was, and that was before we got rid of Cox. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Kansas, you City, that game. Kansas City's got their own Parrish Cox. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, oh, they do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know his first name. Gaines is his last name. He, uh, Philip Gaines. He's from Miami. Yeah. He, they were throwing out stats that looked just like Parrish Cox stats. It was like yeah. six, Six, uh, eight targets, six completions, two hundred yards, and two touchdowns. And except he's got Eric Berry back there saving his ass sometimes. That's true. That's one guy I definitely want to see. He's going to be a free agent next year. Um, I don't know if he is. I don't know that he. Uh, well, yeah. realistically, has a chance of going anywhere else because he's back. He's healthy. He's playing really well. You know, they were worried about him being sick and maybe not making it back out. But I don't think that the the Chiefs let him hit the street. Well, he's one guy I would pay all the money for. That's for sure. Yeah, if you're going to give someone Josh Norman money, it's Eric Berry, not Josh Norman. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I'd love to have Eric Berry. Guy's got a mile of heart and just as much talent. Yeah, you put Eric Berry back there with Byard, and now you've got a couple of safeties you can be happy about. And, you know, yep. definitely knows the area coming from uh, UT. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Alright guys, that's about all we have to show. Uh, next week we will come up with some draft stuff, talk about at least um, you know, some of these guys that are definitely going to be first round picks. Since we do have two first rounders, talk about some possibilities that we could have in uh, that draft. Be sure to check out the Know Your Enemy article uh, that Glenn puts out every week. They're really fantastic articles. It'll get you ready for the game. Obviously this week, since we're going into a bye, uh, there's not going to be one. I was going to um, say. <laughs> uh, but keep an eye out for them. They have been really good. Check out a, We can check us out on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensor without the ED on the end. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Two-Tone Uncensored. Check us out on Podbean at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com. We also can be found on iTunes if you just search Two-Tone Uncensored. Um, the poll question this week, we do one each and every week that can be found on the previously stated Podbean website. Should the Titans... If if it was possible, if if we can bring Cody Riggs back, would you have rather seen Cody Riggs than Kalen Reed? <laughs> That's a strong question. <laughs> Matt is so conflicted right now. Hey, man. I did I'm that a Titans just for fan. you, Matt. It is what it is. Riggs is gone. I mean, whatever. Bring Reed on. I just think it was dumb that uh, we still have Blake on the squad and, and not Riggs, but whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bloody Ray's out there on the streets. We can bring Damn, him Damn, you know what? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> there, I'll, back. there, I'll put that up as, as we'll put uh, it between <laughs> Bleedy Ray, uh, Reed, and Riggs. So we'll add uh, BWW on there. Ray. I forgot yeah. all about Bleedy Ray. <laughs> yeah, you may have me out, but I still remember that pain. Your fantasy <laughs> team is the Bleedy Rays. How did you forget about the guy? Listen, that's my only non-cash league. I don't really You're, pay attention. Isn't your next <laughs> child going to be named Bleedy Ray? <laughs> Speaking of fantasy, playoffs do start next week, so if we do need a little time filler, I suggest we could bring Absolutely. in a little, fa- a little fantasy talk. I, I think next week should be draft, fantasy talk, and then I'll touch on the Broncos a little bit. Speaking of fantasy and the TTU fantasy, who's in first place? Did you guys happen to see that? I had. I forget now who it was. <laughs> if you're, no, impl- I, if I, I, you're I implying it's you, I don't, you know, whatever. No, it I'm, is. I'm, I'm, it let, is. Let me share like Days of Thunder or something let, like that. Let, let me just say no, that. He's in second place behind yours truly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I did draft Jamal Charles and Aaron Foster, so <laughs> I don't want any bullshit excuses. You drafted, you know, two broken ass garbage. Exactly. You knew that was going to happen. Hey, I'm still in the mix. I'm still in the mix. Because <laughs> you drafted poorly is no excuse for not succeeding. I, I didn't draft poorly. I drafted you running did. backs poorly. I'm still in it. Yeah, but you still drafted, drafted Jamal Charles and Aaron Foster. Hey, whatever, man. Chip in the chair, my friend. All right, that's all we have for the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to my good buddies, Matt and Glenn, for coming on each and every week. Uh, Head into the bye week now. Get ready for everything. We'll be ready for this Broncos team, hopefully, coming up in week 14, and hopefully kick their fucking ass. Let's tighten up. It's crunch time. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.